It's the Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Toys, movies, comics, and so much more. The Riley and Kimmy Show. And the more that you listen, the more that you know. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Thank you for choosing this special spotlight on the golden age of radio. I'm Patrick Riley, host of The Riley and Kimmy Show. Our featured golden age of radio production will be uninterrupted for your listening pleasure. After this tribute, please visit our website, RileyandKimmy.com, for our archived daily episodes. Our episodes focus on the world of old-time radio, nostalgia, and pop culture trivia. That's RileyandKimmy.com. And now, with the red-headed woman, and with the performance of Desi Arnaz and Lucille Ball, Autolite hopes once again to keep you in suspense. Jensen Corporation. Hello. Hello, Linda. Yes. Oh, hello, Frank. Oh, look, darling, I thought I told you not to call I know. Me. I shouldn't call you at the office. I'm sorry, redhead, but... I had to talk to you. You see, I... Well, darling, you sound so grim. Is there anything wrong? I... Oh, this is going to be tough, Linda, but... You see, I... Well, it, it's kind of hard to explain, but... Well, go on, dear. You can tell me anything. You know that. Oh, you're sure swell, Linda. That's why it's so hard to tell you. I... Frank, you haven't committed a murder or anything, have you? Oh, no, no, of course not. Well, what is it, then? Linda, please, I... I tried to tell you last night. I I know it's hard to justify, but... But what? Frank, you've met someone else, is that it? Yes, Linda. I'm sorry. Oh, it's quite all right. Is she blonde or brunette? Oh, honestly, honey, I... Linda, I couldn't help it. It was one of these things. It, it just happens. Sometimes things do. Oh, well, you don't have to explain, Frank. I'll send your ring back this afternoon. I hope it fits her. Good luck. Tears came, and then I tried to laugh it off. And then I felt myself getting good and mad. What a fool I'd been. For two years, my every thought, my every move had been patterned toward Frank's wishes and welfare. Other girls, the selfish type, were holding their men. It was, well, I'd made up my mind that the future would be different. From that minute on, I'd think of myself first, last, and always. Suddenly, I wanted to get away, do things, have beautiful clothes, money, especially money. I suppose it's the kind of independence any woman wants to grab for in a moment like that, when she's found out you can't depend on a man. Oh, good morning, Glinda. Oh, good morning, Mr. Jensen. Feeling all right? Of course. Why shouldn't I? Well, I... Don't know. You just seemed a little despondent. No, I'm fine. Good, good, good. Oh, uh, will you put this away for me? What? 
payroll money. Well, it's only the 5th, isn't it? I'm going to Florida for a couple of weeks, Linda. Oh. I do the payroll money today because I'm leaving tomorrow. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Yes, doesn't it? I've been thinking about it for years. Mm. Say, why don't you take a few days off while I'm gone, Linda? What? Oh. Why don't you, Linda? It's a good idea. Certainly, I won't be needing you. Well, I... I could come in on the 14th and handle the payroll. Oh, you needn't bother. I can get Walters. Well, he's pretty busy, Mr. Jensen. I'll come back and handle it. I'll just be in the country somewhere close by. Thank you, Mr. Jensen. Looking back, I suppose I thought of stealing the payroll right then. I must have. For a few minutes after Mr. Jensen left, I visualized how easy it would be. Only he and I had the combination to the safe. He'd be far away in Florida for two whole weeks. I could leave the next day. I could have at least ten days before anyone could find out anything was wrong. I thought about Frank and that brush-off he'd given me. How easily I might forget him in new surroundings. Well, when I closed the office that evening, I took the envelope with $21,000 in bills and stuffed it into my handbag. Then, I don't know why... I took the gun Mr. Jensen always kept in the safe. Next morning, I left Kansas City and began driving west. By the next afternoon, I was well into Texas on the inland route. I knew vaguely that I had to get across the border, but the actual fact that I was a criminal hadn't quite percolated yet. A few miles out of Big Spring, the weather changed, and dark gray clouds replaced the blue skies. Then I came to a roadblock, and I had to detour. It was a winding, makeshift road of dirt that stretched on and on for miles. I hated going so slow, but there wasn't anything I could do about it, so I switched on the radio and tried to feel comfortable and forget what I had done. Then a few drops of rain splashed against the windshield, and I hoped that I'd make the main highway before it really let loose. It was then that I heard the announcement. This afternoon, in one of the most daring daylight holdups in Texas history, the 7th Bank of Abilene was robbed of $40,000. As far as is known, only two persons participated. A tall, dark-complexioned young man wearing a light gray suit and hat and an attractive red-haired woman dressed in a green suit. In effecting their successful getaway, one of them shot and critically wounded an elderly bank guard, a veteran of World War I. The couple left in a green panel truck and are believed headed in the general direction of El Paso. More news after our next music. Well, these were worse criminals than I was by far, and they'd made a getaway. I shut off the radio. To my right, black letters loomed suddenly against the yellow background of a sign. Midland, Odessa, Pecos. I slowed down to 30, rounding a series of blind curves. Coming around the last one, I saw a man standing in the middle of the road. I jammed down my brakes to keep from hitting him. He started walking toward me. I'm very sorry to bother you this way, but my car is out of gas, and I was wondering, could you perhaps let me siphon a little from your tank? Well, sorry, but I'm low myself. Oh, please, don't be like that. I've been waiting here for hours. You're the first car I've seen. I would just take a little. Well, I can't. Honestly, I... All right, all right. Then perhaps you would be so kind as to give me a little lift to the next gas station? Well... Oh, come on now. Don't you believe in the good neighbor policy? Well, uh... All right, get in. Thanks. Thanks a lot. We'll find a gas station right down here someplace. I, I won't even take you out of your way. Oh, that's all right. I'm going in the general direction of... of, uh... El Paso? El Paso. 
It all came together suddenly. The radio announcement and this man who was just sitting down beside me. He fitted perfectly. Dark complexion, light gray suit. I glanced at the car parked by the side of the road. Yes, it was a green panel truck. Well, senorita? Uh, look, I'm terribly sorry, but... I don't think I can take you after all. You see, I... Oh, have... now, please. I have been marooned here for two hours. It's very important that I get to Pecos in the next two hours. Oh, and where are you going after that? Me? <laughs> I'm going to travel all over. After Pecos, I'm going to beat it down to Juarez. That's across the border. From there, we're yeah, going... Yeah, that's what I thought. Look, I would like to pay you for helping me. He drew a sheaf of new bills from his pocket and dropped a fresh 20 into my lap. I opened my handbag and my fingers closed around Mr. Jensen's gun. He looked down at it. Hey, what? I said I've changed my mind. Okay, okay. That's the way you feel. I don't argue with a girl who's got a gun. I didn't even wait for him to close the door. I let out the clutch, stepped on the gas, and got away fast. When I finally reached the highway, I speeded up still more. I'd had a bad scare. I wanted to talk to someone about anything and forget that man. Maybe that was why I was so relieved when I came to the little town of Pecos and saw the carnival a short distance ahead and why I stopped to look at it. Even from the car, the bright lights and the people and the carousel, gaily painted horses going round and round made me feel less lonely. I wanted to get out and mingle with the people and drink some pink lemonade and buy a red candied apple, go in one of the midway tents and see... Tortoro, the sword swallower, and Lopez, the ventriloquist. But instead, I ate a hot dog in the car and bought a silver ashtray from a little Indian girl. And a sudden burst of thunder reminded me of the approaching storm. I started the car and left the carnival behind me. Soon afterwards, it began to rain. Then a cloud burst hit. Fifteen minutes later, I spotted an auto court. As I came to a stop, a gray mustached man in a rubber hat and raincoat came out to meet me. Hello there. Hello. How far to El Paso, please? Not planning to go there tonight, are you? Well, oh, I... Oh, you never make it. A lot of bad spots in the road. I know because in rainy nights, I always pick up a lot of money pulling stall cars out of the mud. Well... Maybe I'd better spend the night here, then, if you have a vacancy. Well, I've got more vacancies than anything else. I'll fix you up with the best cabin on the place. I used to live in it myself. Come on, I'll show you. It's uh, number three. Oh, it sounds fine. Do you mind if I use your phone first? No, go ahead. Go ahead. There's a booth over there right next to the office. Thank you. Yeah, I'll open your cabin door and leave the key on the dresser. You can put your car in the shed there. I was going to phone the El Paso police and tell them where I'd last seen the man answering the description of the Abilene bank robber. I dialed and waited for her to answer. Operator? And then I remembered something. There should have been a woman, too. A woman with red hair, but the man had been alone. Operator? After all, there was more than one green truck in the world. More than one dark young man. Operator? And besides, I thought with a shock... I'm in no position to risk their maybe tracing the call and finding out my name and investigating me. I hung up the receiver. I went out and wheedled a cup of coffee and a donut out of my host. And then I went up to my cabin and went to bed. I woke up about 10 o'clock. A car had driven up and stopped right outside my window. The headlights were shining in. 
When I got up to pull down the shade, I saw the car. It was the green panel truck I'd seen on the road. And this time, a woman was in the front seat. Then the proprietor and the other man came out of the cabin next to mine. All right, I lowered my shade and then listened to I'll him. I'll wait till the storm is over, window. and then I'll go on to El Paso. Is it all right if I leave my truck out here? Oh, sure. There's a garage in back if you want to use it. No, thanks. I'll just park it here near to the door. I heard him enter his cabin. I locked my door and sat down on the bed. It was very quiet next door. Finally, I guess I must have dozed off. But then, all of a sudden, I was awake again. Voices, a man's and a woman's, were coming from the cabin next door. I got up, opened my window very quietly, and listened. I don't think you had better forget that. If you do, you will be sorry, very sorry. You are wrong, Carmencita. It will not be me who is sorry. What do you mean? It shouldn't be difficult for you to figure that out. You mean? <laughs> oh, but that is so funny. You couldn't get along without me. No, not even for one week. Not one week. <laughs> I would not laugh if I were you, Carmen. <laughs> Wait, Jose. Don't do it. You're just trying to be funny. No, you must... Don't do it. Jose, no. After that, everything was quiet. I was stunned, frozen. Then I heard his door open. I hurried to my window and carefully raised the shade a few inches. It was quite dark, and at first I could only hear his footsteps. And then I saw him. He snapped on a flashlight, looked around with it. He was carrying a roll of blankets, and he put it down carefully in the wet grass. Then he opened the rear door of the green panel truck. There was a long, oblong box on the floor. He stooped over and lifted what I thought was the roll of blankets. But I was wrong. From one end, a head was visible. A woman's head with red hair. I must have thrown up my hands and hit the window shade. It clattered to the top. In the tense silence of the night, it sounded like a machine gun. The man outside spun around. Huh? He trained his flashlight on me. He took a long look. Then he turned around and dropped his gruesome bundle into the long box. I turned away. I couldn't look anymore. Finally, I heard him walk toward his cabin, go inside, and shut the door. Then I took a chance. I threw on my raincoat and shoes and hurried to the proprietor's office. I heard I knocked on his door and called to him. There was no answer. So I wrote a quick note and slipped it under his door and hurried back to my cabin. I closed my door and was just fumbling with the key when the lights went on. <gasps> no use to lock it now, senorita, and don't make a noise. He was sitting in a chair, smiling, casually pointing a gun at me, my gun that I'd foolishly left on the dresser. <laughs> you were not so very smart, were you, sweetheart? This gun, it looks nice. I think you handle it good, too. I almost found out this afternoon on the road, didn't I? Now, look, I, I wasn't going to use it, honestly, but, well, you know, you, you read a lot in the papers about the trouble people get into picking up strangers, and yes, I... Yes, yes, sure, sure. You're always careful. Stay out of trouble. Mind your own business. That is very good to remember, well, senorita. That's, that's all I was doing. Well, what do you want with me? It's just too bad you looked out on me just now. I wouldn't have known you were here. I didn't mean to spy on you. I was awake, and when I heard a noise outside, I, I looked out. That's all. That was natural, wasn't it? Maybe, but it didn't turn out so good for you, did it? Come on now. We're getting out of here, and you are coming with me. But where, where are we going? Just places, senorita. Just places. Come on now. But what do you want with me? You, you don't want me. Don't want you? 
<laughs> Why, I'm crazy for you. I've been looking for you. I've been looking for somebody just like you. It was quite a moment. Jose motioned with the gun for me to pick up my suitcase. And right then, the door opened and the proprietor came in. I got your note, miss. Well, what's all this? What's the gun for, mister? Oh, it uh, um, belongs to the lady. She was just showing it to me. Oh, yeah? Well, yes. Yes, that's right. I'll take it back now. This man bothering you, miss? Is that why you left the note? I remembered my position again. I'd thought of the 21,000 in my handbag. I wanted this murderer locked up, but I didn't want to risk too much investigation. I wasn't bothering her. No, no, I just thought I heard someone at the window. And when I couldn't find you, I went next door, and this uh, gentleman was kind enough to... Yes, I owe you an apology, mister, but then when I saw you with a gun... It's okay, it's okay, forget it. Forget it, amigo. Sure. Well, good night. All right, you. You stand over there. Well, I guess you must be crazy for me, eh? To lie for me like you did? No, I'm just fond of myself. Things have kind of changed, haven't they, Jose? Oh, you know my name, too. I know all about you. Really? Yes, I guess things have changed. All right, now. That was a good idea you had before about leaving here. Come on, pick up my suitcase. Yes, ma'am. Where are we going? Like you said... Places, Jose. Just places. Now walk quietly. My car's right outside. Anything you say, senorita. He drove while I held the gun. After we'd gone about five miles, we came to a side road. I told him to turn. It's a pretty deserted neighborhood, no? Yes. Please tell me, where are we going? Oh, you're not going very far. You know, I wish you didn't make me leave my truck back there. Oh. Worried about what's in that pile of blankets, huh? Yes, that's right. Somebody might find her. Senorita, please. Not a chance. Oh, look, now, uh, why don't we talk this thing over? I think maybe we could. Uh-uh, uh-uh, I'm not buying a thing. Well, I certainly hope you know what you're doing. Uh-oh. I'm sorry, but we're stuck in the mud. Oh, well, that's a very fancy trick, but it won't work. You don't believe me? No. Well, then get out and see for yourself. And have you drive off and leave me? Oh, no, thanks. Come on, start the car. But I'm telling you the truth. We're stuck in this ditch. You better start the car, mister. Okay, okay. Anything you say. You see? Try it again. All right, but it'll only get us in deeper. What do we do next? <laughs> You're running the show. You tell me. Okay, I'll tell you. Get out of the car. What do I do now? Pick up some broken branches and put them under the wheels. Like I said, you are running the show. No, no, never mind. It's too dark. I can't see you. Get back in the car here. But you give up too easy. Why don't you think of using a flashlight? I don't have one. Well, maybe if you ask me real nice, I will let you use mine. Where is it? It's here, in my coat pocket. All right, senorita, drop the gun. Quickly. It was over in a second. Before I knew it, he'd reached in his pocket and jumped behind me. I'd forgotten the most important thing of all. I hadn't searched him. 
I could feel the gun against my back. <laughs> now you're going to get into the car. Hurry. Yes, sir. Now you will drive for a while, no? But I thought we were stuck. That is exactly what I wanted you to think. Good, eh? Start a car. Do you know, senorita, you should have searched me before we started. Yes, I've already figured that out. Yeah. But this whole thing is kind of new to me. Oh, come on. Let's quit the kidding. You know, I think you would have been very surprised if you would have searched me. You know why? Nothing would surprise me. Oh, I think so. Because you wouldn't have found any gun. Only this. A flashlight. <laughs> it feels very much like a gun against your back, doesn't it? Especially when you're very frightened. Look, let me go. I swear I'll never bother you again. You won't bother me. Not where you're going. You won't bother anyone. Drive a little faster, please. I drove for several miles without saying a word. Then I took a chance. I speeded up to 60, then jammed the brake to the floor. Oh! Oh! Jose's head banged against the windshield. He dropped the gun. I grabbed it almost before it hit the floorboard. Now, out again, Mr. Finnegan. We're going to change seats. Oh, my head. That was very smart, baby. Very smart. Almost as good as your flashlight gun trick, hmm? It's better. Your trick wins. Oh, well. What cooks now? We're heading straight into El Paso Police Department. But, 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 baby, you can't do that. Why can't I? Because it's too foolish. And the senorita is not a fool. No, the senorita isn't. That's why you're driving straight to El Paso and the police. Yes, ma'am. Whatever you say. I certainly hope you know what you're doing. Now, the senorita has learned a lot in the last few hours. Drive carefully. He shrugged his shoulders and settled back behind the wheel. I decided I'd been needlessly concerned about the police. After all, no one knew I had the $21,000 in my handbag. No one even knew it was missing. When I handed the police the man they were looking for, they wouldn't bother about me. They would accept my statement that I was just a secretary on my way to Mexico for a vacation. As we entered the outskirts of El Paso, I switched on the radio and settled back to enjoy it. And now, our Texas roundup of the latest Texas news. Texans who expect quick and speedy action when it comes to lawbreakers in our state won't be disappointed when they hear the outcome of the bank holdup and killing of a guard in Abilene two days ago. What? What's that? Be quiet, the be quiet, culprits, listen. Manuel Milani, a non-Texan, and Betty Murphy, a red-haired Californian, were apprehended today in Big Spring, only 61 hours after their spectacular holdup of the 7th Bank of Abilene both freely confessed to the crime, the bravery of our Texas... Hey, wait a minute. You wait a minute. Stop the car. Now, I don't believe it. Neither do I. You don't? All right, then. Who was it you killed? Me? I didn't kill anybody. Oh, stop it. It was your, your accomplice. I heard the argument, and then you killed her, and then you... Oh, you're crazy. What do you mean, I'm crazy? Right this minute, there's a red-haired woman dead in the back of your truck. What the... Oh... <laughs> oh, boy, that's a good one. You know, you're right. You did hear an argument, and you did see me put a red-haired woman in the trunk. She was dead. Yes, that's right. She has been dead all her life. She's... <laughs> the argument, as you say you heard, went something like this. 
After the money, it is mine, Jose. I don't think you had better forget that. If you do, you will be sorry, very sorry. You are wrong, Carmencita. I will not be me that is sorry. You couldn't get by without me. No, not even for one week. Not one week. <laughs> for heaven's sake. A ventriloquist. What do you mean, a ventriloquist? I am the best. Jose Lopez, the great. Oh, what a relief. Yeah, your relief? What about me? I thought the whole time, here I am traveling with a criminal. Me? How could you think that I was a Why not? You got the red hair, you're wearing the green suit, just like the description. Oh! <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, listen, there's only one other thing that is confusing me. What's that? How come you carry such a big bankroll? All these thousands of dollars in your purse. Well, I, uh... Yes? Well, you... Oh, what's the use? I might as well tell you the whole story. And you know, I found myself doing it. And Jose explained to me how silly I'd been to ever try such a thing. And then it struck us that it was still only the 13th of the month. So we drove back to Kansas City together. I put the money back and the payroll went off just like it always does. And oh, that Jose. He's so cute and so wonderful. Hey, baby, come on. Hurry up with that dinner, will Yes, you? Jose, dear. And what are we going to eat tonight, baby? And it better be something good, you know. A husband can testify against his wife. <laughs> Same as usual, amigo, baby. Enchiladas with tacos and hot sauce. Yum, yum, chili yum. Chili Tonight's Suspense play was produced and edited by William Spear and directed by Norman MacDonald. Music for Suspense is composed by Lucian Morawieck and conducted by Lud Gluskin. The Red-Headed Woman is an original play by Nancy J. Cleveland. Lucille Ball will soon be seen, co-starred with Bob Hope in the Paramount picture Fancy Pants. And now with Early to Death and the performances of Desi Arnaz and Lucille Ball, Autolite hopes once again to keep you in Suspense. We'll get down with the plane. That's the same as murder. $300,000, I think it's worth it. The matter if you want out? No, no, I'll get the money. You call in, then. Right, baby. N71533, calling Veracruz Radio. Over. N71533, Veracruz Radio. Go ahead. Veracruz, we're over the mountains. My oil line is clogged. We're in trouble. Gonna try to glide it through. Bail out. Okay? Over. Hello? 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 N71533, answer me. Ibby. I got it, Ben. A full payroll. 300,000. All right, turn around. I'll buckle a case into your parachute harness. We wouldn't want this to burn up, would we? You call in the Veracruz? Yeah, yeah, they got the idea. They got it. Come on, baby. You aren't scared to make the jump, eh? Scared? After all the planning we've done, get out of this thing. We jumped together. I closed my eyes and counted just the way Ben had told me. And then I pulled the whipcord. And all at once, I was floating down to earth. It was all so easy. After a while, I was standing beside Ben and he was helping me out of my parachute harness. We both looked over at the same time. 
So long, Duke. Ben, you think we should have strapped a chute on him and chased him? I left the fuel lines wide open. When they find that plane, it won't be anything now. Come on, Evie. We got things to do. We buried the case full of money right there in the mountains, where we'd keep until we came back to pick it up when things were safe. That's the way we'd planned it. Three days later, we staggered into a town called Akayuka and made like the two survivors of a plane crash. They took us to the hospital in Veracruz and we were treated for exposure. Sure, there were questions, all sorts, from the Mexican police, insurance investigators, agents, the whole bunch. But they were questions we could answer. We'd been rehearsing them for a year. When did you know the plane was having mechanical trouble, Miss Webster? When Mr. Taper came back from the pilot's cabin and told me to buckle on my suit. And you, Taper? I was sleeping. The suit woke me up, told me the oil line was dry. You had to jump. You did jump? Yeah. Miss Webster went first, I thought. But the pilot's suit didn't. Why? I had no idea. You got a parachute? Huh? I was six weeks ago. Well, either one of you aware of the cargo? What cargo? The company payroll was on the plane. Mister, I'm only a co-pilot. They don't tell me those things. Did you know, Miss Webster? No. How would I know? The company was just sending me on my vacation. To understand, I represent the bond company. We're hoping to locate the wreckage and recover some of that payroll. I must ask you questions. I understand. Now then, will you please tell me what, in your opinion, might have stopped the pilot from saving his own life when he knew the plane was doing We played it as straight and as dumb as we could. The more questions they asked, the more innocent we looked. And a week later, when they found the wreckage and combed it over, they decided everything, including the payroll, had burned up in the plane. Ben kept on flying for them. I quit after three months and went back to New Orleans. All we had to do was wait. The first time the guy showed up, the guy in the dirty Panama suit with the three-day beard, the smile, and all the teeth, he didn't worry me one bit. You don't remember me, senorita? Go away. I'm waiting for a friend. You do not understand. I am your friend. Well, you're not the right one, so beat it. But we need you and I, in a way. Yeah, well, nice to see you again. Goodbye. At the time, you impressed Rico very much. I am Rico. Oh, the senor Tabor. Hello, Evie. Who's this? I don't know, Ben. Allow me. My car. It's very true, and I pray to myself. Rico Sebastian, Senor Tabor. What does he want, eh? It's me. I, uh, I'm just explaining my admiration for the Senorita. And now for you, too, Senor. In a way, we have also met before. Thank you. I remember ever seeing you. 30-day tourist. Let us say, uh, incognito. What makes you think you know us, Buster? I said I have seen both of you before. It was in the mountains north of Akayuca, where I often hunted high-power rifles. I saw you parachute out and land safely with a box. I witnessed the plane crash, and later saw you both start through the woods without a box. <laughs> I would need help to dig in every ravine, official help, unless, uh, of course, you would help me. 
And then I would know exactly what to do. I would hate to talk to the officials because I know they would listen. What do you want? <laughs> a small picking some eagles. Only one little quarter of a big $300,000. Well, you have my card. We'll talk later when you feel better. Eh? After later. Jim, what do you think? I don't know. Just tell him the truth is fast. And we've got a third partner. Oh, Ben, I wish we hadn't waited. I wish we'd just taken the money and got on that boat of All right, all right, take it easy. Give me that card. What are you going to do? I'm going to go see him. Find out just how tough he is. Ben. The only way. Be careful, Ben. I'm scared. Will you stop worrying? I'll handle him just like a baby. We had another drink and Ben left for Rico. I went back to my apartment and waited for his phone call. After two hours, I couldn't stand it any longer and took a cab over there myself. It was in the French Quarter. A dull gray place with lots of iron grill work out front. A man in a black hat and trench coat answered the door. Come in, come in. You can be Miss Webster. Who are you? What is this? I'm Lieutenant Mayor, Mr. Sergeant Train. You want to tell it now? Tell what? Okay. Landlady says you rented this place three months ago. Why, she's a liar. I know. Never... You meet Ben Table when he comes in from trips. What? You know Ben David. Wallet says he's a professional pilot. You were in a crash with him a few months ago. Show us, Sergeant. Ben! You cut those bullet holes in him? Oh, Ben! He wasn't shot here. Who helped you move him? No, no, it's a trick. Rico planned this. He planned Rico? It. Who's Rico? Rico's the... The man that helped you move the body here? Who is he? I won't say anything. I won't say a word until I see a lawyer. I didn't say a word. Ben was dead. There was nothing I could do about that. Of course, Rico had killed him. Had been planning to kill him all the time. I was sitting in my cell the next day when I had a visitor. Hey, good morning, senorita. You. See, we're in trouble. Rick was here to help. You did not think I would leave town when my friend is in trouble. You killed Ben last night. I only meant to kill him slightly. Scotch! Quiet, please. You have not thought. I'm going to turn you in so fast. Quiet, now think. Ben Cable is dead. It is unfortunate, but I have to kill him. And your position is very perilous. The police are highly suspicious of you. They are talking of a falling out among thieves, recalling the plane incident and the payroll which might not have burned. And you help things along by renting a place under my name and taking them there after you killed them. It was just a small trick. Now I have a victim, an alibi for you. What alibi? I have many friends who will testify you spent last evening with me. Until I get out, you get nothing. There is going to be a coroner's inquest this morning. They cannot indict if we come to terms. How much? One quarter of 300000 for the trouble... One quarter for the alibi. Half. I can see by your eyes that this is agreeable.
is the opinion of this court that Benjamin James Tabor met death as a result of bullet wounds inflicted by person or persons unknown. This coroner's jury is convinced that the material suspect, one Evie Webster, shall be released on the suspicion of murder charges previously made. Testimony of the witness is a conviction enough to be Senorita, senorita, you're free now, eh? You are angry. I have caused you so much trouble. You're a murderer. You murdered before I, the pilot. Senorita, we're partners now. Let us not talk of such things. Let us rather make plans to settle up our little account. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. Oh, we're going to get along fine, you and I. Fine. played his cards pretty well, but there were some things he hadn't planned on. I'd killed, then he'd killed. The way I looked at it, it was my turn again. Rico made me give him all my money. He bought himself some shoes, shaving equipment, tobacco, a couple of sets of dungarees, and some shirts. I thought that maybe when he got cleaned up, he wouldn't look half bad. But all it did was make the meanness in him a lot easier to see. You keep staring at me. Why? Because I'm going to keep my eye on you night and day, Buster. <laughs> I don't know how you ever got the feeling that I couldn't be trusted. Didn't I get you out of jail? Yeah, but something tells me I've been a lot safer left in. Well, when you have that money in your hand, you will feel much better. You and your friend Ben bought a boat. How did you know we had a boat? Because I have seen it. You have in the harbor of Biloxi, Mississippi. It has the name Intrigue. <laughs> Very funny, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's a scream. <laughs> we took the train down to Biloxi, and in two days he had the Intrigue ready to move. The boat was a 40-foot auxiliary sloop, and I knew nothing about it. But as usual, Rico knew everything. We pulled out for Vera Cruz. And then I knew what I had to do. When we hit port, I was going to take off and feed him to that money. I knew I could get to it before he could. And then I'd go right through the other side of the mountains and he'd never find me again. It was night when we pulled into Vera Cruz. We tied up and he decided we'd bunk in until morning. I waited until I thought he was asleep. Then I walked quietly over to him and hit him with a piece of two-by-four. He never moved. Four hours later, I hired a car and drove to Akayuka. It was early morning when I got to the only hotel, a small, beat-up plaster building. When I asked for a room, I got a shock. Say, Senorita Webster, we have been expecting you. A room is ready. Expecting me? You were expecting me? Si, Senorita. Come this way, please. He moved down the corridor, and I followed. We reached the door. He swung it open, bowed, and walked away. I couldn't believe it, but I knew what I was going to find even before I saw it. Do you like the room? Rico, I... You do not know what to say, huh? No. Well, I do. Ah! Rico! 
The next time you try something like that, I take care of you quick. You might have killed me. It could all have been so easy. But you had to make it hard. You're going to take all the money. That's what you want. You're a bad judge of character. You think I am the kind of man who might kill you once you show me exactly where the payroll is buried. Did you ever think I might kill you for not showing me? I made up my mind right then. I was going to kill Rico long before he saw that money. Later that day, while he was out arranging for horses, I went looking for a weapon of some kind. I'm sorry, senorita. Nowhere in Acayuco is there a small gun such as you described. Perhaps you try Veracruz. I haven't got time. I want it now, and I'll pay anything. What good is money when there is no gun? Don't you have a black market here or something? Well, what do you want a gun? For protection. Oh, <laughs> that's all? <laughs> Un momento, senorita. Here. Here is the greatest little protection in the whole world. Eight inches long, sharp as a razor. I don't know anything about a knife. What is there to know? Just in the throat is cut. That is, uh, if you want to cut a throat. I strapped the knife to my leg under my Levi's and went to the hotel to wait for Rico. He came back late in the afternoon with horses and supplies. A group of peons watched us go. And I knew they thought we were both crazy heading into those hot brown hills. We went about 12 miles the first day and made a camp. I was so nervous I couldn't eat or sleep. I was afraid to take my eyes off Rita. We made a fire and put our bedrolls on opposite sides, and I lay there half the night watching the flames slowly die out. Rico's eyes were shut. He was breathing regularly. I took the knife out and walked over to him. His head was back and his throat was completely uncovered. I started the knife downward. That is far enough with the knife. Let go of me. Listen, one murder enough. Drop it. All right, you'll break my wrist. Why do you keep doing these things all the time? I have told you what a nice guy I am and you do not believe me. I have to sleep with one eye open. You, you... No, no, no tears. Oh, you're only doing what you think is best. <laughs> but golly, I better be careful of you, eh? He was laughing at me, and there was nothing I could do. For the next three days and nights, I didn't sleep a minute. We rode deeper and deeper into the hills. I never felt so alone and helpless in my life. I didn't speak to him, and he didn't speak to me. We just kept on, hour after hour. Finally, we began to get near the ridge where Ben and I had buried the payroll. I was trembling with excitement. But Rico was too calm. Whoa, 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 then. Where are you going? Huh? Uh, whatever you go, senorita. Show me the place you were standing when Ben and I parachuted out of the plane. Why, um, it, it was over there, on the ridge. What ridge? That one. Uh, there. You didn't see us that day. You've never been in this country before. Oh, you... now. Why, why do you say this? Because that's where we... Be... Where on the ridge, Senorita? Lead me to it. Pronto. 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 <laughs> 
He had me again. It was a trick. The whole thing, and Ben and I had fallen for it. He pulled out the gun, and I rode in front of him, leading him to the spot. When we got there, he made me go to work digging. The case was there. The money was damp, but good. Rico took a bundle of bills in his hand and looked at them long and thoughtfully. Then he turned towards me with a gun in his hand. Now... Rico, please. You know what I'm going to do? Rico, you can have all the money, but don't shoot me. Please, Rico. Shoot you, Evie. <laughs> Again, you have misjudged me. I am breaking open the gun. I am throwing away the bullet. And I'm throwing the gun away in another direction. Oh, Rico. Rico, I, I should have believed you. I said all I wanted was half. And that's all I'm going to take. Now, don't worry. I'm not going to kill you. This is like being born again. I tasted food for the first time in days. I even talked to Rico like I talked to any human being. We put the money in the saddlebags and started through the mountains toward Mexico City. Rico said people might recognize the serial numbers on the bills and we had to be careful how we unloaded it. We sold the horses in the first village and took a plane to Mexico City. I stayed at the hotel while Rico went out to do the bargaining. He said it would take two or three days. We brought some new clothes, and the first night we went dinner dancing. And I suddenly got an idea. You're looking at me in a different way, Evie. That's true, Rico. I know you now. But you're really like. The more I know you, the better I like you. <laughs> ben Taylor liked you, too. But poor Ben is dead. Why the last? I'm not for you, Evie. How do you know? You haven't really seen my best side yet. I am just a war brat. Soldier of fortune. So who am I? Do you think I came out of a girl's school yesterday? No. But we're from different worlds. We can see if this brings the world any closer. Well... You like me, don't you? Yes. The kiss was nice. But I have a feeling about this thing. That feeling? That you're only trying to get my half of the money back. Buying a gun was a lot easier in Mexico City than in Akayuca. They had them all sizes and shapes, depending on the kind of a victim you had in mind. I paid the top price. We kept the money in the hotel room. And the second day, Rico, while he was out making deals, I made my plan. I was going to kill him when he came back and slip out of the hotel at night. I'd be in Europe before anybody found out who I really was. I sat waiting for him. I see you have been waiting, Evie. Yes, I thought we might talk. I have something to tell you. Something that will affect your whole life. I'll bet you have. Well, the deal's off. See? Easy. All the weeks and hours that you kept me on the end of a gun. Now it's your turn. Easy. Easy. How does it feel, Rico? Think of me spending all that money. Evie, get me a doctor. Get your own doctor. Evie, you're a very stupid woman. I was almost a very stupid woman because I was going to kill you. Now I'm just going to leave you here with a bullet in your shoulder. And after I'm gone, you won't say a word, because you're in no position to. I know all about you. 
You won't even get out of this hotel. You see, even now you're being watched. What are you talking about? You don't know all about me, Evie. I am a Mexican police officer. As it turned out, he was. He had killed Ben Tabor in self-defense, and that's why the American police had let me go. It led me right to Mexico City, where he had jurisdiction. And he wasn't unloading the money on the black market. He was verifying serial numbers. I should have killed him then, but I didn't. Rico was right. One murder was enough. If you enjoyed that golden age of radio production, be sure to follow the Riley and Kimmy show. We feature old time radio shows from time to time. We have archived episodes available right now on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. Some of them have old time radio episodes on them. Please tell your friends about the Riley and Kimmy show. Help us grow. Our social media links are available on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. That's R-I-L-E-Y. And Kimmy, K-I-M-M-Y, dot com. If you friend, follow, and like us, we will friend and follow you back. Also, be sure to check out our website, events page, and our social media pages for updates where the Riley and Kimmy show will be appearing next. And we're available for your pop culture event and also those that are animal-based, about pets and animals, too. We have a spinoff show called Animal Special. So be sure to tell your friends about us. It's the Riley and Kimmy Show, the nerd variety talk show with daily pop culture episodes. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Find archive podcasts of the Riley and Kimmy Show at RileyandKimmy.com.